Welcome back, pod people, to a brand new episode of Cinema de More. I'm Justin Morgan. I'm here with Chuck and Lexi. And we're talking about Steven Soderbergh, thanks to Chuck. Yeah. Chuck, would you like to get into it? No. Why did you pick this gentleman? This is another one that fits in more of there's a particular movie that I want to talk about that I love, and we'll get to that. This is this week isn't my week. We'll get to my pick next time. So I just more or less want to talk about that one film that that's great. And I like I like most of the rest of his films too. I basically would say I like everything I've seen of his. I haven't seen everything. Soderbergh's one of those weird directors that he does go back and forth between the most independent, weird experimental things to just full on making like a Hollywood film for Warner Brothers that's full of A-list celebrities and is like the most mainstream movie you've ever seen. And then he'll jump right back into doing something super bizarre and unconventional or he'll just quit movies altogether and make a show on Cinemax and then then get bored with that and go, no, I guess I'll make movies again. So he's a weird guy. He's a very, very specific director and I feel like he does tie back to one of our other picks, though, and I, I would say maybe unintentionally. I, would, I don't want to say it's repetitive, but he is very similar to the Coens. Him and them have a very similar viewpoint, and they came up around almost the exact same time of starting in the ni- uh, late 80s, 90s, and uh, they both love their heist films. They both worked with the same actors very frequently in each other's films. And I, and I would describe the Coens as another group that goes between very independent weird and very much mainstream standard kind of hollywood stuff thought he's an interesting guy to look at i think we picked a good cross section of his of the types of films that he does i think i think all three of the films that we picked are very distinct versions of what he likes to do uh he's not necessarily nailed down to one genre although he does love heist movies He loves robberies and heists and that type of thing. That's a very recurring motive in a lot of his films throughout his career. Yeah, I can see that. And he's also a filmmaker that wears many hats. He does more than just direct. I think the Nick, he did everything but star in it, I think. I don't think he's in it. Maybe he is. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like some sort of obscure cameo in there or something in the background. Yeah, he didn't sleep. He'd work on this show for 16 hours a day. I don't know how he did it. Blows my mind. But yeah, the Coens are a, a lot alike too. Writing, directing, editing. editing. Yeah. I'm always very interested in that and that there's not a ton of directors that do that for themselves. You'll get guys like Scorsese who have, you know, his one editor that he works with. Film machine maker. Forever that just does all of his movies and, you know, he has a he has a good, obviously good working relationship, but I'm sure he could give her his film and not even give her notes and she knows exactly what he wants to do. But when you start to get that more more of that control of you're shooting it, you're the guy that is actually going to do the camera work, you're going to sit there and edit it. There's that kind of singular, almost when they talk about like you get the people that bring up auteurs, but there's not always a lot of them that truly do all aspects of their film, or at least a lot of the the prominent aspects of their films that they go in and handle so many main priorities to ensure that their vision gets to the screen. Yeah, for their sanity too. I'd rather have an editor that would say no to me. And I think that's like what a good relationship is. We're not doing that. That's that's too much. Or here's why I think this is better. Yeah. And now when this person's doing everything, they don't have anyone to say no to them. 
Yeah. So I feel like they're more liable to make mistakes. I don't know. I can't think of any of his movies that, that I can really think of other than, I think the most obvious one's probably Ocean's 12. I feel like that's the one everyone points to as like being the most indulgent in just everything was for the sake of just, oh, I'm hanging out with George Clooney and Julia Roberts and I can just not really care about this film like in the slightest sort of. I can kind of just do whatever I want. And it, it got to the point that it was way too much of like very lazy things like, what if we had Julia Roberts just pretend to be Julia Roberts because her character looks like Julia Roberts. And it's like, okay, that's, you're like really stretching the, and you the, know the what? thought process They here. still made 13 after they, that. Yeah, they still made, a, still made another sequel to that film. They even made the spinoff, which I never watched. The yeah, Ocean's eight. 8. Yeah, I didn't get around to that one either. The all-female one? It's because you yeah. guys are sexist. We are. We know that. I own it. <laughs> yeah. It's almost worse. I supported like, it like, financially. Like, it and then refused to watch it. It's not a refusal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is definitely not a refusal. It's just the fact that I uh, don't have that much time <laughs> When I'm working. And then I kind of forget about it. So I got to put things out there. Like, watch this, watch this, watch this. Yeah, I have a lot. I have a lot that I try to get through. I try to do what you do a little bit too, Chuck. I try to watch new things as often as possible, but not straight up. Yeah. You know, my Halloween watch is like 50-50 with things I haven't seen and it's things I watch every I go year. Back. Now that I'm 40, I've been going back and rewatching stuff from my childhood to see if it still is something I would cherish or not. I don't really watch anything. I'll watch it like one time and then I'll move on. I don't have time to rewatch things. Like this month I've watched Jackie Brown and then I watched Out of Sight, which is what we're talking about today. And then Weird, the Al Yankovic story. <laughs> I really want to see that. It's pretty funny in spot. It's not always the best, but it really does a good job at making fun of the music biopics like Bohemian Rhapsody and stuff. It's actually really funny how it doesn't follow fact at all. Like, it really goes all out. In his version, he writes Eat It before Michael Jackson writes <laughs> Beat It. And then he wants to make original music. And then Michael Jackson comes out with Beat It. And he's like, what kind of person takes another person's song and changes the lyrics to it? Who would do that? That's great. Yeah, there's a lot of good moments in there, too. It's essentially Funny or Die made it, so it feels just like a feature-length Funny or Die video. It doesn't hit on all cylinders at all times, but there is a lot of good bits in it. That's like the, uh, you're making me think of the Steve Jobs biopic they did, that the whole tagline was, it's the first one, and that was their whole thing, was just that they made it before the others came out, and it's just Justin Long, like, making fun of Steve Jobs for an hour and a half, like, it's just not even... It's it's the same way, like it's not even remotely on fact at all. It's just the whole joke is just we we whipped this together in two weeks so that we could get it out before the other two films came out. Were they the one that did the art of the deal with Johnny Depp? They might have been. I feel like they might have been. It's just insanity. Daniel Radcliffe was really good and almost there's so many big names in this, they just keep popping up as different characters. It's just continuous throughout the whole movie. Yeah. But yeah, it's on Roku for free. You do have to watch commercials with it, but they weren't yeah. too bad. That's fucking bullshit. The whole selling point of going to that Roku channel is that movie at this exact point in time. And nobody wants the fucking Roku channel. What is wrong with these people who think that these exclusive movies belong on these streaming services that are dead out the box? Come on, man. I mean, they probably paid Funny or Die a pretty nice chunk of change for this. Although I honestly think it could have probably got a theatrical release or a bigger streamer easily. Like, I thought it was funny enough that I think somebody would have bought it. I think it's going to get picked up by someone 
at some point like it's gonna move off of Roku to something else. We could only hope <laughs> to see if they make a sequel or something. Weird Al is encouraging people to pirate that movie. I don't know if you saw the tweet about it. Yeah, just go pirate it. Don't waste your time. Uh, he's in it too. I guess it's a cameo, but he's in it so much that he might as well just, he's just a character in it. <laughs> he's not himself. Yeah, and it, it's not as funny, but it definitely reminds me of Walk Hard. Although I think Walk Hard's like the definitive good biopic, yeah, music biopic parody. I get, yeah, it's like this is probably like just an updated version to get like a few of the new, more recent, like you were saying, Bohemian Rhapsody. Like whereas that one was doing like Ray and Walk the Line and those other ones from like more in the '90s and 2000s. Like this is getting all the the newer versions. I will not yeah, give there's... in to temptations again. Ah, the temptations. <laughs> oh, the temptations. <laughs> I still say on a regular basis. I do think I want me some of that. <laughs> I kind of think I want some of that. You don't want none of this Dewey Cox. It'll ruin your life. As usual, I recommend seeing it. Anyways, we're doing three Soderbergh films. We're doing Soderbergh thanks to Chuck. I really do like this director. He does make some bad movies, but I think it's seldom. Even the ones that are bad still kind of have interesting things in it. That's what I'm saying when I said, like, sometimes he gets, like very weird and experimental to the point that like i don't know you can at least tell that he's trying to do something interesting i I at least don't think again other i feel like oceans 12 is the one that you can definitely point to maybe he just didn't care at that point but i don't think with with most of the rest of the movies that he's like trying to make a bad movie or that he's just giving up like i feel like he's at least trying something when he swings and misses that is more his most recent movie was good that uh the one on hbo max no sudden uh, move. Yeah, it's no sudden yeah. moves. I or thought that was a great good. movie. He did a thing with Zoe Kravitz. I thought. I think that's his latest one. He has all sorts. I mean, he shot that one movie on his iPhone or something like that. So you know, he just does high flying bird or something. Yeah, with a he just Kyle does whatever he wants to do. Brendan Fraser was really good in that movie, but and it was heisty. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was another. It was another heist <laughs> film because again, he loves he loves them heist films. Out of sight is very heisty. It is. Not the primary focus of the movie, but there's kind of the heist aspect there. 1998. I don't know what movie this is for him because Sex, Lies, and Videotape is his first movie. And I don't have the year off the top of my head, but I was thinking it was like 89 or 90. So he's only made a few movies. This is his seventh film. Seventh? Yeah. He made Holy seven films between those. Shit. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think uh, I got the criterion of, is it King of the Hill? One of his criterions came with a whole extra movie on it as a bonus feature. Like, here's a third movie he made. So I guess he just made some of them at rapid success. You know, just right off the gate. Just kept pounding them out. Out of Sight is probably the first movie of his that I ever saw. Really had nothing to do with, I didn't know who Elmer Leonard was at the time. I would have seen this before I saw Jackie Brown or Get Shorty. I don't watch. I was about to say, I think I saw Get Shorty would have been the first Elmore Leonard thing I saw. I saw that. And did the you theater. know what it? Did you know what it was? Like you're a kid, so you're probably not reading that stuff. No, no, I, yeah. I, it's <laughs> like I saw the movie, but I had no clue who Elmore Leonard was. I just thought it was a funny movie, but uh, and and that film features many of the same actors in in this film. I saw there's, Get there's Shorty a lot of crossovers. in the theater when I was a kid. And my mom and my grandfather took me to it. <laughs> I fucking I got up and walked out of the theater. I was like, I don't, what, what is this? I'm like, I'm not watching this. But I was too young to be like watching that. I was about to say that's a, that's a weird movie to take a kid to. I know, and I was like, I don't know why you guys brought me to this kind of thing. And I just, I like, I went out in the 
lobby. I think I probably saw it on like cable or something when it when it was finally came on like <laughs> something there. I definitely saw out of sight on VHS or whatever. We rented it from Hollywood Video, and I'm pretty sure it was my mom's pick because of George Clooney, if I were to <laughs> recall. <laughs> I wanted to watch this again. I haven't watched it in quite a while, and I had picked up the 4K version that Kino Loro came out with like in the summer, July or something. I had to open my sealed copy from Best Buy on Blu-ray that I haven't watched since <laughs> I purchased it 10 years ago. Why? Are you uh, anti-women, Chuck? Is that why you didn't watch that? No, man. You got to keep it mint in the box. I had to open it up. I didn't. It, it wasn't streaming on any of the normal places. That I wasn't going to try to find some other weird place. So I was like, I guess I'll open it. You know what? That is something that I keep running into that I find quite amazing is that there's all these streaming services now. And we'll watch a movie that's like, I think Out of Sight is a pretty popular Soderbergh film. It's got pretty big people in it, and it's not streaming anywhere. I, it's on like, stars. Who has stars? I, that's that's what I watched it on with stars. I guess her friend got stars recently, so I pirated off of that account. But yeah, that's where I watched I feel like stars. the only people that have stars anymore is like, uh, that's like one of those networks that's being hailed up by the show Outlander because like the, the fans of that show go nuts for it. And I'm like, is that the only people that actually have a star subscription is people that like that show or technically i think i do too because i'm one of the few people that have cable and, it's and just bundled in i think it's bundled in with like the hbo and stuff so i think technically i have it too there's been a few things like that where it's like tcm on demand and that the movie's there that i want to watch and i don't have to try to like record it in advance i think we only had that one time where we literally could not find a movie anywhere and that was the time we did uh, the girl who knew too much when we were doing Giallo and it was like you had to borrow the copy from James because it was like this movie's literally just not like it's erased from the internet. You can't watch it. I think I could have bought it though. Well, that's At what least he did. He bought still... it. He bought it yeah. to watch it. That was like one of the only times he ever he was like he was like, I can't believe I had to buy this movie to watch it. Lexi. Is this the first time that you watched Out of Sight? Yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised. Why? I don't know. It just feels like something <laughs> you would have come across like within the last 20 years at some it, at some point. It came out in 98. Yeah. And in 98 I was what like 16? Probably. And not going to do I, the math. I don't think I watched stuff like this at that time in my life. I was very focused when I was younger on like watching very specific genres. I wasn't always as diverse as i could have been and i don't know i remember the box for this movie a lot i used to see it on shelves all the time and i remember looking at it the poster but that's about all i can really remember it just never looked like if the box art didn't interest me like that's it kind of thing for me so like marketing works really well on me like i don't want to say i'm susceptible but i'm really susceptible to good marketing so it's just like yeah you show me like a good poster and i'm like i'm in yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, before the floating head posters start popping up, I'm like, yeah, that looks cool. Can't even begin to tell you how many things I rented just based on box art, especially anime. I'm like, oh, it's anime? And like, I'd go home and it'd be the worst thing I ever saw. And you're just like, okay. Or sometimes the box art's so shitty and we end up blotching it and we're like, trust us, it doesn't say much, but it's a pretty good movie. <laughs>
no one's picking it up off the shelves because it has literally the worst cover art you've ever seen before. Not to like my mom also, she did a lot of the renting when she'd go to the store, like whatever the new releases are. Like, not that she controlled things. If I wanted something, I could rent whatever I want, but she would just go through and grab like all like the new releases. If it was a new release that she picked up, I'll watch it. But if it just wasn't like on my radar, I just didn't watch it or it wasn't like a standout because I mostly watch cartoons. You know that. You so get three like, movies, like three new releases from whatever the deal is. And she's like, you you don't want your movie, do you? I, I, I could just pick all three <laughs> of them, right? Dude, she had that gold membership from Blockbuster where you could get like as much as you want, like with deals and like all that, like no late fees kind of stuff. Because we rented so much shit. Yeah, like a power card. It was interesting. I mean, it does. It takes me back because this was definitely rented on VHS before DVDs oh, yeah. started popping up anywhere. Yeah. But we had Hollywood video always, I, well, for a good bit after that. They tore down a drive-in movie theater, and they put a Walmart in, and Hollywood video went in pretty soon. I don't really know how long it was there altogether in Bell Vernon. Because it was cheaper, we went to D's video more than we went to Hollywood video. Right. And, and D's video had the worst selection of movies <laughs> of all time. Like, they had 20 movies to choose from, tops. So you end up writing the same thing a lot of times. It was like, new releases. What do you want the new movie for? I got uh, I got Ninja Turtles. It came out two years ago. <laughs> you want to watch Child's Play 2 again? <laughs> I moved back to Canada uh, in 98, so that's also could be part of the reason why I didn't hear about it as much, because I was in Nova Scotia, and, you know... You get what you get kind of thing. But I had a Truro Home Video, like the local video store too. Like you said, like just go in there. Everything was 99 cents. You could just like rent as much shit as you want. So they still had like the porn section, which is really funny. So oh, That's where I got my OJ Slammer, which I'm really proud of. If you remember nice. Pogs. I do remember that very Slammer, actually. <laughs> I don't know if I have it anymore. I don't think oh. I would have got rid of it. Like, I would have got rid of all the Pogs. Guilty, right? Yeah, and then on yeah. the other side, it shows the Bronco yeah. <laughs> car chase. <laughs> oh, I, the one I used to see was the one where it was like, it said guilty, and it was JoJ with a sad face. Yeah, behind bars, side, like two bars. Uh, no, there's no bars. It was just him and oh. Pork crying, like being sad. And then the other side, it was like him with a big smile on his face, and it said not guilty. Oh, mine's very different. It was a huge metal jaggedy edge slammer. Yeah, so it yeah. For ruined sure. the, like you didn't even want to play with it because it ruined everyone's pogs. But the one side was OJ guilty or not guilty, and he was like behind bars looking sad. And then the other side was the Bronco, <laughs> the Bronco chase on the back. <laughs> and they made it, and for some reason, it was bought for a kid, me. I just remember my dad saying, "Do you want this OJ slammer?" And I was like, "Yeah." I mean, I watched the chase, but I was little, so I don't really remember much. I didn't didn't know what was going on, really. <laughs> just to let you know. That OJ shit Just to let you know about that. But yeah, that's why I chose Out of Sight. I have liked Out of Sight since I first watched it, but I kind of appreciate more of what it is doing now than the first time I had watched it. Because the first time I watch it, it's this crime movie it's very dialogue heavy. It's very focused on these people and not so much what's happening. I don't think I really had an appreciation for that at the time. It was more like, what are they doing? Why are they, they don't give a shit about what is going on at all. Like ev everything that happens to these people are, it's very minor. There's a lot of important shit going on. And George Clooney 
is more worried about maybe he'll never see Jennifer Lopez again. And I'm like, what is happening? It's dialogue heavy, but it's all double talk, talking to like distract or talking, push away from things. Like there's not really like, they're not really saying anything, even though they're talking nonstop. It is double talk, but it is also extremely character driven. And at the time, I don't understand this. I can't tell what is going on. And there's also a lot more that I ended up liking, you know, after the fact, because it plays with the audience in a good way. And I think that, like, a lot of these characters, which I don't know, like, actors, I don't know who the hell Steve Zahn is when I'm watching this movie. I probably don't even know who Don Cheadle is when I'm watching this movie <laughs> the first time. I, you know, I definitely don't know Albert Brooks. He doesn't mean anything to me as a kid. Even this time, I'm like, Albert Brooks, like, except for when he's wearing his wig. I know, when he takes the wig off in prison, I don't recognize him. <laughs> No, he looks like somebody else altogether. Like, he doesn't look like Albert Brooks at all. I'm almost like, I can't quite place this person, but I know Albert Brooks is in this movie, so that's him. I think this is the first time I've I noticed that Viola Davis is the sister of True. Uh, the one Same. guy in uh, Detroit. Yes. Like, I was like, I was watching him, like, I'm, I'm like kind of like squinting. I'm like, is that Viola Davis? Like, immediately go to imdb just to just to verify i'm like oh okay i was like i i've seen this movie like three times and i think it's the first time i realized that's who she was and sadly her scenes with jennifer lopez who i think is well directed in this movie but not a great actress she really needs a good director to like pull the character off at all i think and this one I th she floats on by but like what you're saying about viola davis basically being like the no-named actor and I think Jennifer Lopez was probably already pretty big with her music career by this time. Oh, yeah. So they're working off of each other for this scene, and Academy Award winner Viola Davis as, like, <laughs> nothing. This is after she did Mimic, right? With the cockroach people in the series? I want to say, yeah, I want to say Mimic was, like, 97 or something. Yeah. Well, she did Anaconda already at this point. Oh, okay, yeah. I forget she's in that one, too. Oh, yeah. Anaconda, everyone's favorite Ice Cube, J-Lo, and John Voight film. <laughs> John Voight gets eaten, but then he gets regurgitated. <laughs> I remember I watched that movie so much when I was a kid. Uh, I'm sure it's terrible. I haven't seen it in so long, but I can remember watching <laughs> Maybe we that should movie revisit. so much when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, Jacob did too. That was one of his favorite it was always, movies. Yeah, it was, they would play that movie so often on like HBO or something like that. And it was like... Well, that's the reason we got like Lake like, Placid like, and yeah, all like, that shit. When are they <laughs> Giant gonna, animals. When are they going to show when they eat John Voight? Because that's the best scene. The best scene in that whole film when the snake just comes down, eats him, and then like spits him up, and he's all like half digested. <laughs> that movie's great. Jacob would talk about that movie like as much as humanly possible on our old podcast, and it's just like, dude, we're never gonna talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm never talking about this again. I'm gonna move over to Justin's podcast. That's right. <laughs> I have to get away from. I have to get away from that anaconda. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> That one ate a woman in India just recently. Yeah. One, it was the worker. Like a zoo worker? Like a, no, a, like a lady in no, a farm. No, a farm worker, yeah. And oh, God. And the snake swallowed her whole. It does happen. Yeah. That was crazy. It just happened, like, this yeah, weekend. Yeah, I remember I remember seeing that story for pretty recently about about it, like, just straight up. They they were like, uh, yeah. where, where's where's the lady that works over there? I don't know. And then just this giant snake with, like, uh, the... A, the, a bulge the size of a human body like laying there and they're like i'm pretty sure that's where she's at awful <laughs> and i mean they can like the movie 
they can go underwater. They can swim underwater and shit, too. So, yeah, I saw a video of it around the car, and it was like, dude, your car is going to be totaled. It's constricting your car. Like, it's mm-hmm. fucked. That's Lexi's worst nightmare. Probably a really nice car with a Anaconda destroying it. You'd see him in Florida. You see him down in the bayou. And stuff. They have to, like, hunt him down because they're, like, taking over. Yeah, they are. They're becoming a big problem. We also are having a big problem with crocodiles in Florida. They started fucking the alligators, and they kind of started creating hybrids. Did you but say crocodile? Crocodile. I heard crocker. No, it's I mean, okay. I thought it was an accent thing. I was like, how? It, is you're she just saying fun of me. I see how. It no, is. no. But yeah, they they're becoming a problem because they eat people, the crocodiles. So they're they're more aggressive. The alligators are just fat pigs. They don't really do anything. Like they can be threatening, but they really don't do anything. Florida is really one of the wildest places where it's literally just like, hey, y'all, get in this boat. There might be an alligator swimming one inch away from the boat. Just keep your hand and you're fine. Yeah, it's true. That's the one where the woman at the retirement home got out at night and they couldn't find her. (laughs) But there was like all those alligators in the swamp right by the old folks home. And they're like, yep, grandma definitely got eaten by an alligator. That was a good time when we went down there and like this guy ran, we, we did one of those boat tours. And then afterwards we're like waiting to see the, the alligator wrestling show. And I'm, I'm in the gift shop and this guy runs in and he's like, who doggy is super hot out here. Give me one of them game, damn game Gatorades out of there. And I was like, and I just like look at the guy and they're like, Oh, he must be getting ready for the gator show. And I'm like, that's the guy right that wrestles the gators. Oh God. He was all hyped up. I'm like, I'm like, I think you need something else other than a Gatorade. I love the Cajun accent that you gave him. Too. Oh yeah, he had yeah, it thick. It's good. Where go get 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 to get the Gator. <laughs> <laughs> he got in there and ensured us that he was a professional. Which I'm like, what? I, I think that just means you showed up, said, "Hey man, you pay me a hundred bucks, I'll get in there with that thing." And they were like, "Okay." I've ridden on an alligator. They give you alligator. They used to do alligator rides. They mm-hmm. tape the alligator's mouth and then put you on it when they walk around. Yeah. Back when abusing Back animals when we used to abuse fun. animals, you know. Yeah. yeah. I did that as a kid at the circus with an yeah. elephant. <laughs> just I like, rode I an got elephant. to ride an elephant. You're like yeah. later finding out how much they torture those animals. You're like, oh shit. I rode an elephant. I think I've ridden a I've ridden a camel. Yeah, I rode a camel. Yeah. All kinds of different ponies and donkeys and it's like a competition. What horses. the hell did you ride? Yeah, what did you, uh, did you anyone ride? ride an ostrich? I rode a gator. <laughs> if you can ride it, I'll ride it. Noted. Okay. That's a sound bite to clip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> I used to do English style riding for horses when I was a kid. So I'm multifaceted. What is that? Instead of Western style. Like you know, like when you see them with the little black helmet. When they're oh. riding, that's English yeah. style. It's a little bit more complicated than Western style. So my mom made me do English style, essentially. We wear the little helmet. Yeah, Western style is like, yeehaw, and, <laughs> you know. It's just, it's just, it doesn't require as much finesse. So back to uh. the, the movie. <laughs> yeah, back to this movie. Well, you're watching this movie on Friday. You text that you did not like this movie. Were you finished watching the movie or was this like a bathroom break or was this like five minutes in? You just picked up your phone and started texting. No, I wouldn't do that. I hate heist movies. But it's unconventional and I thought you would appreciate that. You know what I thought was interesting? It very clearly to me 
was a film that everybody borrows from and steals from. And you can tell that it was kind of the first of its kind in 98. Even like, as you guys have stated, Soderbergh himself has done this sort of film over and over a lot throughout his career. I went into it and I was like, even though everything is good, like, I I can't say it's a bad movie. I would never say like, don't watch this movie. This movie sucks. It's all executed very well. It's very clean, very polished, interesting editing, good use of color, excellent cast, excellent actors, quick witty dialogue. You know, everybody's doing their job properly. I just, I can't stand this stuff. It's just so smug. It's the smuggest movie. Like everything is like, they're they're like smiling the whole time. They're like doing everything. There's just like this level of awareness that just gets on my nerves and it carries out throughout. Like, like, I don't like the Ocean's Eleven movies. Like I I hate those movies. They're just not my thing. But that doesn't mean that there's not a place for them or that I don't respect genres that I don't get into. Did you find any of it funny? Because I find this movie to be pretty funny throughout. Yeah, I I think what really got on my nerves with it was the romance between J-Lo and George Clooney. George Clooney's excellent in this movie. I mean, he's sexy as all hell and doing... I love George Clooney, so like I'm not... Even though I have no complaints, it's like I didn't walk out of it going like, oh, yeah, that was a great movie. I want to watch that again. I'm like, oh, that's a movie I saw. This movie still has like one of my my favorite moments, which is when he's, uh, he's going through like all of her stuff like he's got like her purse or he's like got her id and then ving rames goes to like throw something to him and he's like catch and he he just doesn't even remotely make a move for it and it just goes flying out the window and he's just like what the hell and he just like looks out the window and like, what was that <laughs> like it's, that, that moment gets me every time when he just throws it right past them and george clooney just like you said like how stuff happens and no one cares like he just he barely reacts to it like he just he kind of looks out the window but doesn't really worry about it that's because every everything's so cool they are like, cool. that's just that I'm like it's like this whole movie is just like so fucking cool and I'm like all right I get it that like, is very much an Elmore Leonard thing though is yeah. like is like he very much writes it writes the characters like I feel like get shorty 100% has the same exact right thing where it's like everyone in that movie is like I mean that's like John Travolta in that movie's like like be cool man that's even the name of the sequel is be cool like yeah like that's that's very much I feel like Elmer Leonard's whole thing with a lot of his stuff I feel like Jackie Brown 100% has it too with a lot of the characters in that film that are just like man just be cool just calm down like you, you just got to you got to got to stay smooth man Yeah and Elmer Leonard from my understanding I got a book of his a few years ago and I think they were all just or mostly the westerns but he's very dialogue heavy and his idea behind that was that he said when you read a book no one ever skips the dialogue and i thought well it's probably right i imagine i don't know why people were skipping through the book yeah we don't need all this shit we just need to know what's said we can put everything in there and it's not always exposition either like in this it's not like you said it's it's basically a, a character study more than anything else some of the things too like i love steve zahn's so funny and the build up to that character is uh he shows up with his fucking sunglasses <laughs> i'm gonna stomp on gonna him stomp even on if they're him. on his Might face not take him off his face either <laughs> yeah. and um when you first meet him he's he's like up on the hillside with his fucking sunglasses on <laughs> Uh, One thing I thought was an interesting point that you made was bringing up the Coen brothers, because while I was watching this, I thought it had a lot of like um, Big Lebowski feel. Or Raising Arizona, where they're like breaking out of the prison. Yeah, like it's like funny, heisty, but like, I don't know, the way the characters like interact and talk with the way their dialogue flows and stuff. I was like, 
it definitely had very much like this, big Lebowski this movie vibes. this movie also has like you know uh has to have at least one random extremely violent death that's just so absurdly like over the top with blood just going everywhere the guy on the stairs yeah that was the good. guy on the stairs is the thing like i remember the most watching this as a kid too because there's just something so funny about it like they do a little bit of uh foreshadow they tease it a little bit by having a trip up the stairs the first time he goes up yeah but then there's that good moment of like there's no way he's getting out of this and the guy just walks up the runs up the stairs and trips Uh, and shoots himself in the face um and it is it's really fucking bloody and i love it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's and it play it plays around with like it plays around with time really well too because the beginning of the movie it's this bank robbery, this like low key bank robbery that George Clooney's doing, and he can't escape because he's got this shitty ass car. So they arrest him. Then he's in prison, and this is where we're you know it goes keeps going back and forth, and we learn about this guy that has uncut diamonds in his house, and now there's a lot of people like gunning to get these diamonds once they get out. But then there's kind of like a little bit of a catch later where, you know, you find out that the beginning of the movie is really like mid-movie. Like that first moment that you see. Yeah, it comes in the middle, like chronologically. And you find out that he first went to try to like get a, a job off of our Brooks character who was like, fuck you basically. And on a whim, he went and tried to, you know, rob this bank. And uh, I kind of like that idea of where he's like, you know, I'm he sticks with I'm best known for robbing banks. I've robbed more banks than anybody else. And he tries to play it cool, which is cool. But you find out that, the you know, when he finally had a vulnerable moment where he wasn't cool and he was trying to get actually like a legit job that he can make money out of. um it failed for him and i think that that is just this wonderful little play that soderbergh does with these characters throughout like you get um don Cheadle's character the first time you meet him uh he's kind of like he's a little bit goofy i mean he does end up shanking some guy pretty <laughs> pretty early on in the movie but they're almost like when he goes one-on-one against George Clooney in, in prison, he's kind of, like, outsmarted by the guy. So you don't take him too serious. But then when he's out of prison and he's with uh, Steve Zahn and they're, like, straight-up murdering people. Straight-up hatcheting the... people to death. and <laughs> Oh, that's a what funny you, what moment, do you need too. The, what do you need the hatchet for, man? They, they Why hand you got off that the saw? <laughs> yeah, when they're giving everything out in the car. Do we need the firefighter? Like, yeah, what's, what's up with the firefighter, man? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's. I do love that moment of just, uh, just that whole scene where he doesn't even show like the, specifically the violence. It's all in the background, but it's like you just get like Steve Zahn's horrified reaction. You could just see like White Boy Bob like hatcheting someone to death and like hacking them to pieces, and he's like he's just like so disturbed by all of that. It's like I don't think you realize these guys are animals. Yeah, and he's like legit scared when he tries to leave the club. I do like him leaving the club, and his uh, his buddy like doesn't trust that Steve Zahn's gonna go to the bathroom. Uh, and then when George Clooney comes in, 
they're like, who's sitting here? And it's like, you know, that I can't remember Steve Zahn's Glenn. name. Glenn. Glenn. Glenn's sitting there. I don't think so. I think he's long gone. It's like, he wouldn't have left his jacket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, does you a, it does have a lot of great moments. I think Ving Rhames is probably like, I don't know, Ving Rhames is a great character in this movie because he feels like the only one that actually does somewhat have a conscience. Like, they, And they bring up multiple times about like, He's always talking to his sister, and his sister's always like, it like seems to be a very religious woman that's like always praying for him. And every time he does something bad, he's like, I gotta call my sister and tell her, like, I gotta tell her I did something bad. I gotta, I gotta let her know. Uh, and he seems to be like the only one that's actually like worried about things. And you know, he tries to look out for George Clooney because I feel like he realizes he needs to somewhat be the muscle to protect him and get him out of these problems because George Clooney might just talk himself into more problems. George Clooney does talk himself into a lot of problems, I would say, yeah. in this movie. But one is he tries to be like the knight in shining armor. I'm going to go. I'm going to take care of this myself. And then when they show up, Thing Reams is with him like, you know, I'm going to go down with you. And uh, they do kind of go in and out fairly quickly. And they navigate this massive house and they find where the uncut diamonds are and they're able to leave and then George Clooney has his like hero moment where he not just goes back into the building uh but yeah <laughs> two kind of hero moments one where he leaves the diamonds with Buddy who's Ving Rhames character who you know is a good guy and you know that you can trust and you know if anything bad happens at least it's went to the a decent person. Then he goes back in to save this girlfriend of Albert Brooks. That's like probably going to get raped and murdered. And it seems like she's about to get raped. And well, it seems weirdly consensual or like, I'm not really sure what the hell is happening with that. Uh, with that I other guy. Whenever he, that part either. When he, when he walks in, it looked like they were having sex. That's all. Yeah. Like, yeah, it definitely did. But um, I love when they find the safe and they just decide to sh wildly like shoot it and somehow nobody ends up getting killed yeah. from a ricocheted bullet. And she just comes around like, it's his birthday. It's his birthday. And she rattles it off and they open it up and it's just the guy's wigs. <laughs> like, yeah. I love White Boy Bob with his steaks. Where the hell are you Oh, at? yeah. Oh, he's so steaks, funny. Man. Huge ones. Real big. Yeah. Where are those were you my at? suits? No, those are my suits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, and yeah, earlier with like, this is my car. Mm, this is my car. <laughs> like, that's all the hunch when I say steals it's my everything. Car, I say it means it's my car. <laughs> I got you guys in on this heist. You're with me? Mm, we don't think so. I think I it's was, the other way. I, think this I was is really right. upset when Don Cheadle crushed the goldfish in the bag. I didn't like that. I, I hate to tell you, it probably wasn't a real goldfish. I hope not, but it's 50-50 on if it was. Yeah. <laughs> He's a bad guy. I, I guess. I was like, oh, don't do that. They don't deserve that. Yeah, I mean, they had no problem getting the little scooper out and scooping the diamonds out without hurting those fish. 
Well, that was that was Buddy. Buddy doesn't. Let's go say anybody, Buddy man. wouldn't Come hurt on. anybody. He's he's not hurt. That's George, what I meant. Their characters and George Clooney doesn't hurt anybody either because he doesn't use a gun. Yeah. So. He also, hurts Jennifer Lopez's feelings. This is also a great movie for the fact that it's not it's not very often that one actor plays the same character in two completely different films by different directors with Michael Keaton. Although he's a much smaller part in this one than than Jackie Brown, but it sounded like you specifically like a part of what you were saying was Michael Keaton. It's very rare that somebody gets Michael Keaton Michael Ke- <laughs> to play I, I two mean, roles. It, you know, you, you sometimes can't get Michael Keaton. He's tough to get. He's tough to track down. Yeah, Michael Nicolette, right? Or Nicolette? Ray Nicolette. Ray, Ray Nicolette, yes. With his FBI shirt. Oh, you wear one that says undercover sometimes, too? <laughs> I love you. He's just like flat out, just like, uh, no. And just like, like, almost seems like he does not understand that that's a joke or that he's like mocking him in the slightest. He's just like, uh, no, I don't wear one like that. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning of the movie, it looks like jennifer lopez is on a date with this guy and it ends up being her dad who gives her this gun and they have a discussion she's seeing michael keaton's character who is still a married man and she's like and her her dad's like no like Mm -hmm. he's definitely playing you he's and that's kind of what chuck's talking about there he just shows up for one scene and like that's the dynamic of the dad, the dad grilling him. Like, and, and do you think that is okay to be to be married and and still be able to do this <laughs> stuff? And yeah, Michael Keaton's great because he plays it like, uh, nah, I wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> like, just dumbfounded. Yeah. But I also like. I want to know. I kind of want to read the book. I've never read the book. It's, it has the same title. It's out of sight. But I want to know if like the t-shirt thing is like a legit part of the book that got adapted or if it's something like he did something low key like that when he he had like the same wardrobe when he was in Jackie Brown. So it's like, are they making fun of the costume in Jackie Brown? Yeah, that'd be. Yeah. And his role's not that much bigger than Jackie Brown. I mean, Jackie Brown's got a couple scenes of him. Yeah, and a little he's bit more. got. He's got one scene in Out of Sight. And this is literally the year after Jackie Brown. So I'm thinking, like, he had to, like, how did they coordinate that? I don't know. How did they coordinate the cameo so quickly? I feel like it was, was yeah, he, it's, uh, my, my were they visiting sets? Was, uh, <laughs> was, yeah, it almost had to have been uh, that they were filming Jackie Brown. And then someone said something about, you know, uh, they're they're making they're making another one of Elmore Leonard's books. It has the same character in it. And someone being like, do you think we could uh, you think we could get him? I think I've read that Tarantino like had to convince Michael Keaton because he thought it was like he thought it was dumb at first to to be in this to be in another movie as the same character. Like even if it was just a cameo, like he thought it was like, oh, I don't know, that kind of sounds lame, like to just just dress up in the same outfit and just show up in this other movie and like, I don't know, tie them together or something like that. And Tarantino had to convince him like, like, no, it'll be super cool. You'll be the same character. And we'll have like a shared, uh, shared premise there. It'll be Michael Keaton seems reluctant on everything. He's like, ah, Batman. Oh, I don't know. They had me come back. I did a second Batman. I like your Michael Keaton impression. That very much is, uh, very much sounds like him. (laughs) 
Thank you. I'm really known for my impersonations of oh, people. Yeah, everything everything's connected in the in the weird Elmore Leonard universe of because uh, Get Shorty's Barry Sonnenfeld, who is the Coen Brothers DP on their early films. So again, you're like who originally the Coen was supposed Brothers. to direct this movie. Yeah, he's the, he's an executive producer on this film. So it is weird. Like there, I think that's where you keep on like piling up the Coen Brothers feeling specifically in this film even more than any of his other films is there's just too many connections too many connections in what in between those stories or within the single story are you talking about the connections between all these Elmer Leonard films or are you talking like the connections in just out of sight just out of sight I mean well there are they do overlap again because uh Dennis Farina's in in Get Shorty. Uh I think Vic is he Rames the same character though? I don't think he's the same character. No. He's not he's not the same character, but there are multiple multiple roles played by the same characters in in those films. So it all it all kind of wraps back around and that's it's like what what was the weird like mid nineties boom on Elmer Leonard? He's this hot He's this hot writer that can't do wrong. Everyone should start directing all of his works. I think it was Get Shorty. I mean, right? Was, was the that the first one. one? That was the first one. And then that was 1995. Then Jackie Brown was 97. And then Out of Sight was 98. So it's like just a random run of. There was another four one. There's another one. one too, I think, called Touch. So there were like four of them. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen it. I just saw it name dropped when they were talking about Enter, uh, Elmer Leonard movies that were made then. And they, I don't know if he's if there's been any more made. Well, they did be cool. That was the only other. I think that's the only recent. Then they've they've done Justified. Oh, that's that his TV, thing too. Yeah, that was his too. Well, I mean, I guess that that lasted pretty long. They're even filming a reboot or a, yeah, a, a, reviving it. Yeah, they're doing another season of it. So. He's not dead. Although that, yeah, that took place in isn't justified like a modern time thing. Yeah, it's like a neo western. I'd be interested in seeing his, like a an actual thing based off of one of his westerns. But I don't know his material good enough. Like the book that I have is like four stories by Elmer Leonard, and I was like bought for like a dollar <laughs> or something. I feel like maybe. Maybe the Jackie Brown story is in there. Rum Punch. I can't really remember what's a part of that book that I have. I'm like look trying to look on my shelf like, do I have that book somewhere <laughs> around where I can actually see it? But I know like some people, when you listen to Tarantino talk about Jackie Brown, he's he, he like talks up Elmer Leonard like he like is one of his favorite authors of all time. So I'm like, this guy, I don't know, he must have been He's pretty important to these people for some reason. And all at once. Yeah. But uh, we keep, we get that every once in a while. Because we had... Uh, remember Jillian uh, Flynn who did Gone Girl? And that was like her third novel. And they adapted her other two books like that. And... Uh, uh, what is it? Is it Cormac McCarthy who did The Road, The yeah, Road, yeah. No Country for Old Men? Like, they did a bunch of his movies real quick together. That's a Hollywood thing. It does well. Like, and yeah. like, we need to buy more. The Road's great. The Road's depressing. I love it. It's yeah. That's I, I love that director in general. All of his. We'll films have to are 
Now all of his films are very depressing. I don't think he does not. I don't think he knows how to make a happy film. No, and we have to. It's we probably have to talk alley. about that movie at at some point because the road they filmed it here in Pittsburgh, and they filmed a part of forty three as they were building it, the toll road, and it was incomplete. But they shoot it to make it look like it's this like deteriorated yeah. highway and stuff. And uh, I think that's a great use of of just like, hey, can we film like mid construction? You just keep it like this for us for a few days. It's got uh, Michael K. Williams, and so it's a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I Vigo, feel like Vico Mortison, right? The one about everything just being depressing and uh, the world over. Yeah, the Guy Pierce. The guy Pierce is like a bad guy. In it. Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's Viggo right. Mortensen's the dad. Viggo Mortensen's the, the dad. Uh, guy Pierce is like one of the random like guys that's trying to <laughs> trying to kill yeah. them later on because Guy Pierce uh, is in like all of his films. And I I never read No Country for Old Men, but I did read The Road, and The Road's like he doesn't put he doesn't do the dialogue. He's the opposite of Elmer Leonard. He does not put dialogue in his books at yeah. all. Like there's no nothing to indicates what's being spoken or what's being thought. I so I find that really interesting. I just realized I corrected you, Chuck. You did. You got me. That's that's the first time I that'll ever up. happen. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. <laughs> it's bad when I'm correcting you. I don't remember anything. It's been He's so, human. Been a long time and Chuck's. I've watched that one. Yeah. Pretty. I do like me some Vigo Mortison though. I think he's wonderful. He is, and there's another one of his movies that I'd like to cover. Probably, I probably will choose next year. Is it Hidalgo? No, this it's a, a Cronenberg movie. movie. <laughs> I love Hidalgo. That movie's fucking awesome. It's it's not Hidalgo. But can it be? It's a David. <laughs> Maybe we can pick hit uh Vigo Mortensen movies. There you go. Can, oh, it, then you have to talk about the Vanishing Point remake that he did. That's in one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we each get a choice. If you're gonna choose Hildago, that only leaves it up to Chuck if he wants don't to bring go up, that route. Don't bring up Vanishing Point, because then we're gonna end up watching Vantage Point. <laughs> yeah, I watched the wrong movie. Yeah, Oops. if you want to hear Chuck correct me, it's that was like the number one thing I could not never say right. Yeah. And uh Channing Tatum, I said is tanning Tatum. Channing like, Tatum for like, the longest like, like, time. <laughs> that's really funny. Well, it's an unusual name. What do you want? Yeah. And then he did uh, Magic Mike with Soderbergh. Is that Soderbergh? Oh, yeah, yeah. it is. That's really he's, And he's doing the new one. He didn't do the second one. Yeah, he didn't. I, I like think Tatum I think, did I think that himself. Channing Tatum directed it. I think he like co-directed it with someone else, but yeah, apparently he's coming back to do the third one. It's his last dance. <laughs> See, that's, again, that's like the weird thing of, of Soderbergh is he goes, he just makes like... He really does, I feel like, just pick whatever comes into his mind of just like, yep, that's an idea, and I'm doing it, and it's just like... I could do it about two months. Yeah, yeah. Get it out of the way. Yeah, I'll knock it out. Like, he also does weird things. I, I enjoy his... Uh, he has his own website that he, like, sometimes just, like, posts, like, blog things on, and then he also has, like, fan cuts that he does of films. He has, like, he has oh, a cut yeah. of 2001 A Space Odyssey where he cuts out like half an hour out of that movie. Like <laughs> a lot of the early stuff is just completely cut out of that film to like streamline I watched it. his one on um on Raiders of the Lost Ark. He made it yeah, black and white. His Raiders. He took out and he took out the sound to be like, can you still understand this movie? He did a psycho without any of the dialogue. It's cool that he like it's it still doesn't make it it doesn't make uh, Gus Van Zandt psycho any better, but he just like cross cuts back and forth between 
Hitchcock's original. Like he basically wanted to show how just how much of like it's literally a shot for shot remake that I could literally put these I could splice this film side by side with Gus Van Zandt's version and they seamlessly blend together uh, perfectly. And there's there's parts where he he cuts the black and white footage directly into the color footage. It's it's really it's really interesting to watch. Like I said, Gus Van Zandt's version's still not. Well, you say seamless, but it is it. pretty much shot for shot. So it is, but he does like like it, it. I would just say, yeah. There's there's no like there's not even like really any jarring moments. Just how how perfectly it, it sits. Yeah. So he he likes to play around with filmmaking. He likes to experiment and see what he can do. Or obviously, how you change and edit is how. What does it change? Like, why are you doing it? And a lot of these directors, it's, you know, watch my movie and you decide for yourself. So you watch all these edits that he's doing of Psycho and 2001 and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's like, what do you see? Like, what is this telling you? Yeah. He's very private, too. Like, he was on Twitter and he's um, he's basically, like, incognito. Like, he has, like, a made-up name and stuff. And it was a while before someone's like, this is Steven Soderbergh. Like, this is his Twitter account. And, uh... I think it was a few years ago. I kind of took a cue from him where he keeps track of like everything that he watches. Oh yeah, he puts out like that whole list at the end of the year of everything he's seen. Yeah, he'll include like TV and books and stuff like Video that. Games, and I think if he does any of those. Yeah, and it's like then people analyze it. They'll be like he watched Jaws twice that year. Yeah, yeah he watched Jurassic Park twice back to back or I think he watched like Avengers like twice in a row. It said like <laughs> Avengers August 1st, Avengers August 2nd. And people are like he watched Avengers twice. Like what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, what is going on with this? What's guy? Steven Soderbergh doing that he's watching Avengers twice? I record every movie I watch, but I got that from you, Justin. You're the one who started that with me. I do it if I watch the movie completely. Like the other day, yesterday, I wrote down Back to Future 2 because it was on TV and I watched the whole thing. And because I watched the whole thing, it counts. But have I like, if I am flipping through the channels and it's like mid Jurassic Park and I keep it on and I watch it all the way to the end, I don't say, hey, I watched Jurassic Park. Or if I put a movie in and I'm not really watching it, it's just like background stuff. It's literally something that has had my attention the whole time. Yeah, I I decided if I start something and then I pull out of it before it's finished, then I don't get to log it. That's fair. I think, like, you didn't really give it your time. Like, I could, you know, when I'm working, I could literally have probably six movies on every day, and but never wa- really get to watch any of it. And that would really be kind of, like, dishonest. They'd be like, Justin, you yeah. really watched, like, 1,000 movies last mm-hmm. year? And I'm like... Yeah, of course. <laughs> I I started with Sicaro last year, and I was like, I'll come back to this. So I left it on my list, and I never got back to it. So like before, at the end of the year, I looked through my list, and I was like, you didn't finish that, and I like pulled it off. It's really funny to me, too, because somebody said, Justin, you should do Letterbox. So I got Letterbox, and I was reviewing the movies that I was watching, and I did it for about two months. And I said, I have to get off this app because – while it's nice that I can record what I'm watching, I feel obligated to write like a review. And I also hate rating things because even if you give me like one to five stars, I'm like, oh, nothing's perfect, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. i th- thinking way too much about it. And it's even gets to the point where like a month later, I could be looking at it and be like, 
why'd you give that four stars? It's a three star movie. You know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like what we're doing on the podcast here instead. I mean, obviously we don't have enough time to cover every single thing that we're watching at any given time, but it's like, I saw out of sight and here's some thoughts and feelings on out of sight. And you know, it's, it's easier to, to digest and go through in this way than to me to try to type up something that nobody, at least I'm having a conversation with you guys. You know what I mean? I agree with you. Yeah. But hopefully for the listeners, hopefully they're enjoying this podcast because this is generally what we're, what we do. <laughs> we don't dive in too deep with some of these things. And then sometimes we get way deep. We're in real deep. Avatar, way of the water deep. <laughs> oh my god I'm not watching that uh, you're going to have to we're going to do it on the podcast on the air, I'm not watching it that's that's my, my rule these days I'm like if you guys aren't going to make me I'm not going to So, well hopefully there's some things that you still want to watch because I said hey you should watch Jackie Brown and you said not unless you make me and we already covered all the Tarantino movies so <laughs> So you're not going to Oh, ha- I, damn. <laughs> but I will say, I'll put this up front. I don't pick anything because I want to torture anybody else. No. It's because I want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, And it might even be a movie that I don't like. But I'm like, this movie's bad, but I kind of want to revisit it. And I want to talk to you guys about it. I mean, you could you could present something to me and I could have had like a very, I'm not watching that attitude. And then I'll watch it and go, oh, that was surprisingly good. Like, uh, Jacob made us talk about Bedazzled on the remake podcast, and that forced us to watch the original Bedazzled before the Brendan Fraser one. That's, like, one of my new favorite movies. Like, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, and I would have never gotten there if he hadn't have, like, made me go into this. Because, like, and then, of course, the remake was terrible. But, I mean, I wouldn't have ever gotten to the original if he hadn't have even suggested it. And I would have never gone down that road because I always said when that movie came out, the original Bedazzled, I'm like, I am not watching that. I will never watch that movie. And then it was like, here we are. So, Yeah, that's why I'm a little bit interested in what we... uh, Technically, next month, when we do the final director, uh, there's movies there that I haven't seen. And that's what I kind of like the best. Like this... The... Soderbergh movies I've seen all of them I've seen every single one that we're talking about already and sometimes we get some pretty surprising ones like what was that one that you did Chuck that was um that slapstick comedy that was like they went to hell oh uh, hell's a poppin hell's a poppin hell's a poppin was pretty good I I like that and I don't think I would have found that uh or maybe I would have found it but it would have been a much farther down the road that I would have seen that movie Uh, Um, I'll say that next month my one director pick is my favorite movie hands down it's probably like one of the movies i've seen more than any movie hmm. <laughs> i don't even i i haven't seen that movie in probably well over 10 years but i just i remember so much of it because it i yeah I, we, so, we, we won't spoil it but it, it's just it sticks with you in the weirdest possible way that like you can't get it out of your head no matter how hard you might even try or like there's just scenes that I'll just think about and I'll just be like, <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. And I'm like, I'm just like I, would, I haven't seen that movie in so long. I would say it's probably my most quoted film 
easily, <laughs> like hands down. I quote that movie constantly. It's your Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I love Dumb and Dumber too. Dumb and That's another great. great one. I've liked all of them. As I get older, I find myself quoting Dumb and Dumber more than anything else for some fucking reason. <laughs> I kind of got worms. I re- it relates to things in real life more than I would imagine it would. Right. <laughs> What's the soup du jour? It's the soup of the <laughs> all day. the time, every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have, that. Great. I'll have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will I, I, uh bringing it bringing it a little bit back to out of sight. I think we've talked about a, a good chunk of the movie, but I do think and I, I, I forgot about it because I haven't seen this movie in such a long time, but I do think this movie has one of my favorite final scenes out of a lot of movies that I've seen. It's just such a it's such a perfect way they set it up not even that it's you know it's samuel jackson that shows up but it's it's a great moment where you know george clooney's been caught and he's you know he feels guilty but he had to go back in and be the hero Uh, but then he you know he's refusing like i'm not i'm not going back i'm not going to go back to prison he wants he wants jennifer lopez to to just kill him like kind of it's a very much like a like i don't know and uh a weird romantic idea he has that she'll just kill him and put him out of his misery and he won't have to deal with any of this anymore because he just knows he doesn't have a real future other than being a criminal and it's just all over and you know they set it up they they bring up her father says things about like remember you were dating that guy that was like a criminal before and you know you you seem to not even notice that he was a bad guy and you still stayed with him and she keeps insisting this isn't that way and uh when they go to do the prisoner transport and they load him on, and you know, they, he just starts slowly talking to him like, yeah, you know, I've, I've escaped prison 12 times. And they're like, really? And he's like, yeah, I was supposed to leave yesterday, but I don't know. This lady here said I had to wait till the next day. Like, you know, it's like, it's the best way of, you know, she can't outwardly help him to escape. Like she's just, she just has that kind of like, you know, she has that police mentality of, she can't break the law, like no matter what, even if, even if she is in love with George Clooney, like she will not break the law, but she just, but it's just like the bare minimum she can do to put him in contact with someone that she knows for a fact will escape because he's the best, he's the best at escaping any prison you put him into. So if she puts them together, like this guy will get her, will get him out of prison pretty much guaranteed. It's like they're, they're setting up that, you know, Samuel Jackson will get him out of jail. Yeah, they're like, you know, I got a long time, long drive back to Florida. Yeah, maybe we hopefully got the driver ignores this conversation, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah, guys watch a, Rick and Morty? That's a great cameo and a great setup. Uh, I've watched. I didn't watch all of it. I watched like the first season of it, and I liked it. But yeah, I just I've seen it like here and there. Behind. Have you seen the episode where they are trying to get into the the heist convention? And this is why you don't like heists. The whole no. episode is just like making fun of heist films and mm-hmm. heist stuff. That's this movie. The whole time I was watching it, all I could think of was that episode of Rick and Morty, just over and over. I'm like, um, I think too, because you said it, we're gonna have to do a heist month because there are some really good heist heists. movies. Oh god, I think. Uh, I, I I will say though, I think I think he gets better at heist because I think Logan Lucky might be his best heist movie. Like that movie's mm-hmm. just hilarious and perfect 
Yeah, it's probably Daniel Craig's best role. Is that the He's, one where they like robbed the NASCAR track? Yeah, it's Daniel Craig, Adam Driver. I wanted to see that one because it was so like good. they're 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 robbing a NASCAR track. So and it was good. like I don't know. It looks funny. It, it is it is really good, and I do think it's Daniel Craig's best role so far. Like yeah. he is a good Bond, and he was good in you know Knives Out and stuff. But he has I, an I, even this... more ridiculous Southern accent in this film than he does in Knives Out. <laughs> Yeah, but not, Daniel but Craig he's is like, very funny. He is. I'm, I'm yeah, naked he back here. The, don't he don't no peeking. Be, yeah, he doesn't get to be funny. Like like I don't know. He like, was. He's like he's like one of those guys. He's excellent like, on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like everything like, he's on is like he's like Munich and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then like no Bond, one trusts him to do serious like, comedy. Bond. But he yeah, that movie's hilarious. I loved his Saturday Night Live. It was one of the funniest of the. The, the new stuff it has, so like, I see it all the time ladies and gentlemen the yeah, weekend yeah the, yeah the weekend meme he has like he has such so many great things I, my fa- although my favorite thing in that movie is like them mocking Game of Thrones when like he's like I'll update the prison library I will get you the new Game of Thrones but I can't get you the winds of winter you're, that book you're talking is about not, Logan Lucky yeah that book is not published yet that's some crap George R. R. Martin was supposed to turn that in two years ago to his publisher. I know. I'm reading off the Wikipedia. He got real busy with some other stuff. The what Chuck's talking about is in the movie there's a prison riot and the prisoners like hold everybody hostage and one of their demands is they want The Winds of Winter by George R. R. Martin. And the <laughs> warden's like warden's like, We don't have that book. And he's like, You're lying. George R. R. Martin said it was gonna come out two years ago. We know you're keeping it from us. <laughs> Uh, yeah dwight yoakam plays the warden and he's just like he's just like guys i'm reading straight off the wikipedia it says he got real busy with a lot of other projects and he couldn't finish it in time i feel like sidetrack i feel like george R. R. martin is hoping that he'll be dead before he has to finish these books uh, but yeah yeah i i i will i will say that yeah i feel like we definitely will have to do some heist films at, at some point because it is and I, I I know exactly what Lexi's talking about. It's one of those. I feel like it is one of those genres that's. I feel like it is hard to do, right. There's so many things that fall into, parody so quickly with like, you know. I, I think that it's been done too many times where it's, it's you know all the characters. Let me walk you through the heist, and it's that real fast editing. That I mean, he does it in. In Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Eleven is another one that's been copied a million times. Of, oh my god, of the, so much! Of I kind of agree one. though like with, with Lexi that, that the Ocean's Eleven's not that strong of a movie. It's not really one of the better heist the, movies. Yeah, it's not. It's and, not one of the better ones, but it's the one that everyone copies the most. Ocean's Eleven is the Matrix of like of of those kind of movies, like the greatest you know movie of all time. No, when I'm talking <laughs> about parody, like it's I like know you're every talking about like bullet thing, time, like, like yeah. <clears throat> they yeah. just parody the shit out of that movie, and I'm like, I'm so tired of it. And when they're not parodying are, it, yeah. they're actually making copies of it in Hollywood on top of that. Because when that movie came out, that everybody great, was trying to make uh, that movie. I mean, a great heist film. We didn't we didn't talk about it last time, but when we did Spike Lee, like Inside Man's an amazing heist film, like because it doesn't do all of the. Typical... Did we do Rafifi? Did we talk about that? Did we, we do an episode never on done that? that one? And that's that's probably one of the best heists. You want you want a good heist film point break it's <laughs> a great heist film actually uh or dead presidents, or, dead presidents is or probably presidents one of my favorite great. heist films and That's i like set one. it off with uh queen latifah like i don't know or, i like when they're a little grittier or the point break remake the fast and the furious i didn't watch <laughs> the point break remake but i 
do watch. No, I'm talking about the Fast and the Furious. Those get and Fast so Five I, is 100 percent of dude, heist the movie. That's my one. favorite one. That's the best one, hands down. Heist, uh, Fast Five is like the best Fast and the yeah. Furious. Two, a person. I can't wait for us to go so through tacky. that whole series of like hitting the peak am, halfway through the series. I am then, so like, like, <laughs> looking forward to talking about all those movies. They are some of my favorite movies. They're so bad. See, I like shit. I like all kinds of shit. I have bad taste. You did say you don't like heist movies, and then you said the heist film in the Fast franchise is your favorite. It really is good. That's like one of their best ones, like hands down. Like I'm not, I'm agreeing with you. Like that's one of those moments where I was like, I mean, that safe scene, like even though it's not a real safe, they still (laughs) really did that. Like it's all real practical effects through that whole thing. Like it looks excellent on film. Like it's one of the most spectacular driving sequences ever done. I felt like we could do a heist year. Yeah. See, you could just make a a month about heist films involving cars. And that can be like a whole genre in and of itself because you've got like Yeah, like the getaway the or baby gone driver. In 60 seconds and... and like yeah, baby driver, uh you've got the Italian job, you've got, you know, all kinds of like classic heist films that are all like car-based, Italian job remake and original. So cars i feel like we're once we get outside of directors you're, we're definitely gonna get some car themes <laughs> oh i've got all kinds of months actually I, I would like to spend a month just talking about steve mcqueen i don't think we've ever the actor or steve the director oh. oh or the car guy he has many faces i'm talking about two different people oh i get you or is the car Steve McQueen a third person with the name Steve McQueen? Right. The, the, I'm talking about the director that did uh, Widows and 12 Years a Slave. Oh. He's also oh, Steve McQueen. Uh, that's hung, really funny. It, is it Hunger that he did where yeah. the Fast Memories store they're doing the Hunger Strike? Yeah. That's a pretty good movie, too. I think Steve McQueen did direct a movie back in the day or try to direct or it co-direct. He had his hands in everything. I mean, he was like, at at one point, I think he was basically like propping up Sam Peckinpah and some of those sets of their films together because he was like deep in alcohol addiction. So he might have been like partially directing some of those. Sam Peckinpah, director of The Wild Bunch. Yeah. A classic. (laughs) See, I can learn, Chuck. I know. You're trying. Did he do Butch Cassidy? No, No. he didn't. He didn't do Butch Cassidy? Nope, that's George Roy Hill. Mm-hmm. Chuck set me straight. I mean, I know that. I just, that was word vomit on the podcast. That's a Western I've never seen, but have interest in. Oh, which one? Butch Uh, Cassidy? Butch Cassidy, yeah. Oh, that's good. Butch Cassidy is good. I like a lot of Westerns when I've. (laughs) I can't think of his name. (laughs) They did did a heist film. uh, Paul Newman. Paul Newman, yeah. The Sting's a great heist film. Yeah, The Sting. Yeah, we're all just like reminiscing about heist movies because of Out of Sight, you know? Yeah, it snowballed yeah. into this. See, I didn't want to get too involved in this conversation today, and that's why I stepped back a lot from it because, like, it's a really good film, but I just didn't really have anything positive to say, but I don't think that saying anything negative about it helps it because it's genuinely a good film. It's very well done. Everything you guys said was spot on. Like, you guys got it, so I just, you know... I can be negative about things sometimes. So, 
I do think, though, that this is, like, I could definitely see this film disappointing people that are expecting a very specific type of film because this movie knows what it should be and constantly decides not to be that movie. An observation that I can make about Soderbergh, not just in um, this film, but in a lot of his heist films, like, this movie, uh, this movie didn't pass the Bechdel test obviously and it's not that that what about when jennifer lopez was talking to uh viola davis for two minutes did that count what they were talking about george clooney yeah so it was about a man so they they were talking about uh, don Cheadle, but still yeah yeah and the other woman (laughs) he talks to he talks to george clooney's ex-wife but it's just talking about george clooney right so but my thing is is uh i found this movie very male like I was like, this is for men. Like this is like a cool guy film. Like this isn't. You really say a movie. that. You say that, but well, many women pick this up because of yeah, George Clooney. It's very sexy. Like I was like, this movie is so fucking sexy. Like everything in it is like hot. Everything's hot. Like the every scene is like, you know, he's like feeling her weird, and then like he's doing something this or like it's just it's I don't know. It's just all very sexy, and Jennifer Lopez is all like super sexy and of course they get a sex scene in there and i'm like it's not really like what i want from like a heist movie and it kind of i mean I you don't like really get any sexier than focus. that scene where they're meeting up in the at the bar i think the sexiest is actually them in the car they're initial in the trunk in yeah the trunk yeah i thought that was a nice hot scene but like i don't know I, I think like looking at the oceans films and all that stuff too like they're very male-centric films even though they're full that's of why they have guys. to do oceans eight being sexy but then like nobody wanted nobody watched that movie because it was a bunch of women and so they were like oh i'm not watching that and so you alienated your core audience even though objectively it's a really good concept like go because what is the oceans film the oceans films are an all-star cast of males top or the the top hollywood like elite doing uh an elite film and being sexy and just getting to have fun and be sexy in a movie together and like really like push their stuff and uh, these films are like for everyone but they're really also like movies they make for their friends you know what i'm saying like it definitely has that quality about it and i don't know i just it's not a genre that interests me so even though i can see value in aspects of it i also see a lot of the smugness and a lot of the like alienation of uh, i don't know it's these are like not. It's not like intentionally anti woman, but like at the time, it is definitely something that I'd agree with. That. Not as big of a focus at that time. Like, yeah, it's such and a weird thing to like. I mean, I get going forward, you can make more, you know, conscient movies that right. know what they're doing. I don't know if I articulated myself well with my point because I did kind of trail in a few spots there. Like, I was like, I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but like. I know that your podcast performance is fine. <laughs> it's good. I just, you know, I, I don't, it's a solid oceans eight. I don't like these, <laughs> I don't like these kind of movies, but I also find like with my transition, like I really don't like these movies. Like I, I didn't mind stuff like this before, but I eh, just kind of, I don't know. It's not really for me. And like, while I can admit that there's a lot of eye candy, I don't really think the story itself is anything that would really interest women i think it really is 
shot in a way that just because of how sexy it is, like that's more what draws them in than the actual, like women are horny. We like, you know, they, they like, you know, sexy shit. Like we like eye candy. It's like uh, Fifty Shades before Fifty Shades was real. They're like, if I was in a trunk with George Clooney. I mean, yeah. It was, I mean, like I said, that scene was hot. It was sexy. Like everything was sexy. Like I just that. that but then it's just kind of like, is crime sexy? You know what I'm saying? Like, and like Soderbergh certainly makes it sexy, and Hollywood makes it sexy. But like. I guess when I like my heist movies, I like them to be a little bit more grounded in reality. Like I said, I like Dead Prez and I like, I like, you know, set it off and I like just more raw and gritty. I, I think, you know, going back to Catherine Bigelow, she does some excellent heist work. She's done more than one heist film. What's that movie? Heat. I don't know who directed mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a fan of that film, but yeah, like yeah. excellently shot heist movie, like one of the best heist films ever made kind of thing. Like the camera work in that movie. But is... it doesn't have the comedy of like Steve Zahn driving away while they're on the side of the road. I, I don't know. I guess, I guess like, and I think like going, like I, I love big Lebowski. That's actually one of my favorite movies. And that's got like a lot of elements of this movie in it too. But I like, think it's Chuck's favorite movie. It is a great movie. He does have good taste. So, uh, I mean, I think that movie is superb and I think there's a lot to take from that movie that you could say this movie was doing as well. But I just think like big Lebowski executes it so much better. I think the writing was a little bit cleaner and tighter. And I think that it made it a bit simpler film that was more all encompassing instead of trying to be sexy. Cause the one thing big Lebowski is not is a sexy movie. Oh, I would disagree. With I that. disagree. <laughs> hard disagree. It's a, it is a hard disagree but for I me love too. The Jesus. Yeah, you don't get anything like that. I mean, it's peak sexiness. Fair. Isn't it the same year, too? 98? Big Lebowski? Yeah. That's a 2000s movie, isn't it? No, that's the 90s. Mm-mm. And I think this might be the same year that Batman and Robin came oh, out. God. Probably. Had some so highs this is like and peak Clooney. For, for Clooney there that year. It is peak Clooney. I didn't pick it for the month, but my favorite Steve Soderbergh film is Solaris. But we talked about that on my old podcast, so I didn't really want to make Justin and I. You talked about a little bit on ours. But it's like, I don't know. You and I spent a whole month talking about Solaris and talking about that movie. And I guess if you really want to hear me and Justin talk about Solaris, you can go listen to my old podcast, Three Deemers. But like outside of that, I, I think that I could have moved on from that movie and tried some other Soderbergh. So that's why I went with Contagion instead of picking my favorite Soderbergh film. Uh- Contagion is going to be very weird for me to watch because ever mm-hmm. since the pandemic, I've been like, I should rewatch that movie because it everything that was happening reminded me of Contagion. And I haven't revisited since that our pandemic. I'm a huge fan of virus movies, too. Like, I love The Stand, even though it's not always the best. But or Outbreak. outbreak. Yeah, yeah, this is I just um, love virus movies. Th- I remember seeing this in theaters with Chuck, and I think that was a, one of the ones where like Chris never showed up. He we saw him on the highway, and that was the one where I messed with him and said, um, like, "Dude, theater's completely full. There's not even a seat for you." And he was like, "Guess I'll just turn around." Then he did turn around, and it was like it was super awkward. <laughs> yeah, 
Because he was like, yeah, it was super awkward. Like, Buddy, the movie's starting, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I'm on the highway, and then it's like, well, I don't think you're even gonna get a seat here, and then it's like, I didn't hear back from. Him. It's like, what happened? And he's like, I he like around. passed us on the highway, and then text that he had to go home yeah, for it something. Weird. It was a weird day. <laughs> that was mean. But yeah, th- <laughs> you know what's mean? The a million times you get stood up yeah. by the guy. Well, that's why you don't date men. <laughs> we weren't dating him but we did have a podcast relationship with him he's one of our original hosts well see that's not excusable so he somehow gets brought back up into it I think the fun thing about going over these couple movies are we probably will venture into <laughs> other things and I love next week's one the informant the Chuck chose um weirdly it's a weird movie for me we'll get into but his character reminds me of my dad a lot (laughs) in the informant like looks like him whenever i was growing up and kind of acts like him a bit but that's next i'm excited because we get more um matt damon uh, matt damon i was saying i was saying to justin matt damon there i was saying to justin earlier that we had a lot of matt damon show up this year yeah, he's the protagonist for the next two movies. So, we we, we kind of had some Elysium, uh, Ving Rhames there from People Under the Stairs, and then and then this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, he was good in in uh, Out of Sight. He was excellent in this movie because I'm so used to seeing everything. Him. I feel like I feel yeah, like I he's a great actor. Like, like even in bad movies, Ving Rhames is always great. He's very diverse. It True. was like, and then uh, it's it just seeing him like take on such different roles. I'm like, you always forget because you always think of him as like the horror action guy or things like that. Like, or you think of like Marcel Wallace and he's like such a badass. And then in this, he's like, he's the good the hearted friend. Right. And then people under the stairs, he was a little bit in yeah, between. He's a piece of shit in that movie. He He, he was to an extent. <laughs> He pushed the kid. He's getting he all the money. The we got to go in there. Out of the closet to have the dog eat him. You know, yeah, there was enough room. The in there. dudes had better moments in his life. He's no, he's no buddy. Whatever he was in this movie, can't remember the name. I'm so terrible with names. Too. It's a good thing we host podcasts. But I, his name was his name was Buddy. I do remember that. And it's fun on a podcast to be like, oh, what what was that? What is that? And you guys are like, oh, I don't know. I don't remember. And there's somebody listening, like, full on yelling the name at us like we're a bunch of idiots. Just like You know what? Do. Sometimes I, when I'm mixing podcasts. our own podcast and I hear what we say, I'm like, it's this. You're trying to say this or you should have said that. Happens all the time. <laughs> I want to edit, yeah. go back in and edit it, but you know I'm in a different environment, so it would sound real weird if I just like threw my voice in there. I'm like the voice of uh, God. I'm like, what Chuck is trying to say in this moment is this movie, and then just go back into the podcast, something like that. But yeah, pretty solid movie. I I unfairly, maybe unfair. I don't unfairly is not the right word. I like all the movies that we're talking about this month, so expect more of me being like yeah yeah love that love this 
Um, and I love Chuck's pick. I think it's a great one. It's, it's very I'm actually really excited because I remember when ones. this came out and I meant to see it. And you know how like you get caught up in life and then movies like that slide out. And you're just like, I forgot about it. And you never got to see it. And I'm like, yes, I get to go back and do this one. And I haven't seen Contagion either. So pretty much this whole month. You haven't no, seen it? No, this whole month I haven't oh. seen any of it. So I'm like, here we go. Now I know why your favorite movie is Solaris. (laughs) (laughs) It's all adding up. Solaris is a really good movie. It is, but it's not better than Solaris. It's not Solaris isn't better than Solaris. Right. (laughs) You mean the original. Oh my God, that one's so good. That movie's amazing. It's hard to compete. Three hours of pure Russian delight. It doesn't have a 10-minute scene of driving through Tokyo for some yeah. reason. And then that same scene used again later on, but the color washed out of it in a different way. Wonderful director. I fucking love that movie. I'll watch that movie right now. <laughs> uh, I think after this podcast, I'm going to go watch Ocean's 8. Oh. Well, an, at least you're fill, being respectful. Fill an empty spot in my... Uh, Although I can't think of any any way to be more sexist than have a bunch of women stealing a bunch of diamonds and jewelry. Did you watch the movie? No, I really wanted to because I love Sandra Bullock. Maybe they don't. Maybe it's a trick. Main girl. Yeah. No. They stole jewelry. (laughs) Yeah, you're dead. You're dead right. Well, until next week, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Justin. I'm here with Lexi and White Boy Chuck. I don't know if you knew that, but that's his name for this episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya. Man, I think I literally hear crickets for Chuck. (laughs) I don't know who the crickets are. Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.
Are you chirping again? Me? Lexi. I no. Are you chirping? chirping. I no. heard chirping. That's not me. I swear <laughs> I like, to God. What the fuck are you doing? No, I'm not. All right. I have crickets. Oh, I was yelling at the right person. Yeah, that was the chirping. Oh, yeah, I have crickets. I have a frog. The chirping. Sounds like I a horror forgot. film. It was the chirping. Oh, you know what's a horror film? These fucking crickets, they eat the foam on the back of the tank. And so the whole time I'm sitting here, all I hear is this sound of these like crickets. Like They burrowed a hole in it. A bunch of them are back in there, and they're eating the foam. We can't get them out. I love how the crickets are just, they're literally in your house because you have frogs. Not not like your windows open. You're like, no, the crickets are in my house. Yeah, I bring bags of them home every Friday. <laughs> I have a Pac-Man toad and I have a African milk toad. Is that what it is? I think it's an African milk toad. It's a former tree frog anyway. I like frogs. Frogs are great. <laughs> <laughs> 